Welcome to the Encounter YA podcast, helping young adults follow Jesus. Here are your hosts, Garrett Cars and Annika Carter. Welcome back, everyone. Today we're talking about greatness in the kingdom of God. We all have a picture of what it means to be great, but Christ lays out throughout his ministry exactly what it means to be considered great in his kingdom. Everybody, welcome to the podcast. We are so excited to talk about and kind of tackle this subject of greatness. And um, it's greatness in the kingdom of God. What does that look like? And I think when we think about greatness, we think about arguments between like LeBron James (laughs) and Michael Jordan. Who's your favorite? Do you have have a fan? Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. See, I'm I'm kind of old school like that too, but I have so many friends who are our uh, LeBron James fan, fans. Look, I'm a Nuggets fan, so LeBron is kind of the worst person you could have mentioned right now. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. Nuggets fan. Oh, no. Pray for me. Yeah, for sure. And probably Broncos, too, as well. Yeah, we don't even need to go <laughs> in that direction. Okay, hey, okay. I won fantasy this Wait, week. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. Uh, I lost, so here we go. Greatness. <laughs> Anyways, back to the topic for today. I think that we talk about, we kind of even worship this subject of being great. And the world tells us that like through hard work and through our effort and kind of working our way to the top and just those two people that we talked about, right? LeBron, Michael, you talk about all these other people. They've earned their greatness. Right. They've earned it. They put in the work. They've done all those things. And I don't think anybody has a higher work ethic than those two people. And, and so we kind of idolize that we have to try to put in all this time and effort and money and energy, and that's how we'll achieve it. And there's millions of books. People have made so much more money than anybody else (laughs) by selling, you know, self-help. Here's how to be great. Here's how to do all this motivation. And we really just, we have this whole thing where we worship hard work and people rising to the top people who started below the bottom Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they're the CEO of a fortune 500 company. And we love to read their books and all this stuff. And we want to be like them. Well, the truth of the matter is for, um, people who are following Jesus, for people who are living in the kingdom of God, they're trying to live out these kingdom principles. That's actually backwards. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is really teaching us this upside down, kingdom where we live counterculturally to the world around us. And so the way that we talk about greatness, the way that we approach greatness is actually radically different from the world. And so I think that we wanted to talk about this just because we we all have this desire to be great. Like there's this inward desire. There's a reason that all those books have sold. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that we idolize those people. I think there's something actually put there by God in our heart for a desire to be great. Mm-hmm. And I think it's from a kid. You right. know, as a kid, we had all of those things. Is there something that you like wanted to be? Like when you were a kid, what was oh, that? Gosh, lots of things. Yeah. I, I had this really great ambition to be a really great cook and have a Food Network channel nice. show. Like, you How's know, most going? kids. Really awful. <laughs> yeah. I gave that up about a year later. <laughs> I was like, oh, look, so all I know how to cook is pancakes. <laughs> Let's go. Hey. <laughs> Which pancakes are amazing, but that's about it. That's true. I wanted to be really great at it because I was like, I would be a great TV show host. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, right. this is what I'm going to do. here we are. Yeah, and here I am. Podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Close second. Yeah, that's good. I think that we do, like, we have that inward desire. Yeah. We have that placed in our hearts as a child. And 
Like, and if you had great parents, they're like, go achieve it, go right. do these things, go work hard. And, and I think that is it's placed inside of us because we do have a desire to be great. Mm -hmm. God, I think, put that desire in our hearts for a reason. And he's trying to kind of extract that greatness out, out of us. Um, but we can misinterpret it. We can yeah. go and try to do different things and, and really achieve our greatness through whatever else it is. You know, like we have that 15 seconds or 15 minutes of fame or whatever that looks like. We try to be social media famous. We try to, you know, have a bunch of YouTube subscribers, which by the way, you can, you know, <laughs> subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. Just another shameless plug. Um, but we try to achieve greatness through any means possible, spending money, mm -hmm. X amount of time. And Jesus actually says that there is a way to be great in the kingdom of God, but it happens differently. And I just wanted to um, really just kind of dive into this passage in Matthew uh, 20, starting in verse um, 20 as well. And so we're going to read a few verses here. And so if you guys have your Bibles, um, go ahead and just open them. And if you're driving, please don't open your Bible or mowing. Maybe you're mowing and don't open your Bible either. Uh, but <laughs> we're going to read this passage together. I'm full of jokes today, I guess. Um, uh, but in verse 20, it says this. <laughs> Thanks for laughing. You're welcome. The, it says, Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. You do not know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I am going to drink? We can, they answered. Wow, interesting, interesting response. Yeah. I always found that really interesting. And Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right hand or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. When the ten heard about this, they were indignant with the two brothers because probably they thought, why didn't we think of this? Like, well, let's go get our mom. We should have thought of this before then. <laughs> Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as a son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So I think this is an interesting passage. I kind of want to break it down here a little bit, verse by verse. But I think that we see this. The disciples had the same desire that we just talked about. Like, they want to be great. Mm -hmm. So their way of approaching, um, you know, greatness was to go talk to the, hey, mom, mm -hmm. you know, I think if you come, God has a soft heart for people. So if you come, we don't answer. Maybe he won't chastise us. But if you come and ask on our behalf, maybe Jesus will grant this. You know, I can't imagine like the conniving and all these conversations between like, I just imagine them in a dark room, like, okay, how do we get Jesus to do this? I'm like, <laughs> oh, our mom, let's do it. Um, and so, but I love like Jesus's response is so interesting to me because mm -hmm. he just says like, you don't know what you're asking. And, but he doesn't like, Really, even he's like, "Do you, can you drink of my cup?" Which is really interesting because it's really symbolizing his death. And he's right. like, "Yeah, you're gonna die." <laughs> he like, yeah. He's like, "Yep, you are gonna drink of my cup." But those positions in heaven are not for me to give; mm -hmm. they're for my Father to give. And so I find Jesus' response really interesting because he doesn't um, 
tell them they can't be great. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of Christian circles today, we have this like kind of woe is me. Um, I can't have this desire. Like I can't have this desire to be great. I can't feel like I can go do things for Jesus and make and help his kingdom move forward. We have this like kind of woe is me, like really bad attitude. And I think it's actually wrong. Like, I think it actually, we try to use humility as a way to cover up all these desires that God has actually put inside of our heart and not saying that, you know, you should, you know, do things out of, not out of humility. Humility has to be that starting point. But I think a lot of times, you know, we've gone, we've swayed the other way. Yeah, absolutely. I think like for me, I really value humility and like, I never want to come off as arrogant or anything. And that like was a huge like roadblock for me even just to be part of encounter and even to take the position that I'm at now because I'm like, what, well, that says that I think that I'm good at this and that I would be the person for this or that I, I've earned this position and using humility as like that disguise of like, well, I'm just, I'm trying to be humble and not take Mm -hmm. that position because I'm not good enough for it. Right. Instead of acknowledging it to God literally being like, okay, (laughs) no, really, like I have great things for you Mm -hmm. because he has great things for all of us. Right. Yeah. And I think that we disguise um, our insecurity for humility. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like we just are like, oh, I'm just being humble. But when actually what's actually driving us is our insecurity. Yeah. And so I think we have to be cautious when we're saying, all of these things because we might be using humility to cover up our insecurity. And I can remember one of the first times like that I got asked to share my testimony. Mm-hmm. My first response was like, I was like, no, 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 no. I don't think you don't. Nope. Nope. <laughs> and it was like, it was both security and humility, insecurity and humility because I was like, Oh no, no, no I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. And like, I was like, you need to ask somebody else. Like, mm-hmm. please. I was like Moses almost, you yeah. know, like, please, I'm not good enough. I'm not good at this. And when I was kind of stepped out in faith and was able to do that, like God used it for in some awesome ways. And so um, be obedient, but we don't have to mask our insecurity with humility. And then Jesus um, kind of, you know, went on and said, you know, those places belong, they've been prepared by my father. So it's not his role to kind of give out these um, positions. But I think it's interesting. Verse 24 says, when the 10 heard about this, they were indignant with it. They were so angry. Mm-hmm. They were so frustrated. And this is a passage. This verse is, I think, somewhat the epitome of Christianity in some ways. Mm-hmm. And this is what I mean. We have stopped celebrating other people's, other ministries, other Christians' wins. Yeah, We have stopped celebrating these people who have served their way to the top, which is Jesus's model for being great, serving their way to the top. We have stopped celebrating when other people lead other people to Christ. We stop celebrating when other ministries are winning at life. When young adults are coming to Christ, when young adults are coming to church, we have stopped. And we are just like the disciples in this moment of like, look at all these other ministries. They're doing great things for the kingdom of God. And yet we have made it about Yeah. And I am so disappointed. I'm so frustrated because that is not the heart that I want for our ministry. That's not the heart that I want to serve for. And how can we 
really come to a place where we are celebrating every victory in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. I can remember so many conversations with so many other people who are like, do you know this person is going to this ministry? I'm like, no, I didn't. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I can, I've literally so many conversations like that. And almost every single time I've said something along those lines, it's almost utter shock that they like, I'm like, encouraged i'm encouraging them that they can go somewhere else mm-hmm. like guess what encounter doesn't have the best ministry mm-hmm. encounter doesn't have the best ya ministry we're not even the best leaders none of those things are happening we're just trying to do what god has called us to do and i will never get on the platform and be like this is the best night for ministry this is the best ministry that you can go to because i don't believe that mm-hmm. But I want to be a ministry who celebrates other successes and other people when they win. And this is exactly why I think the opposite of happening here in verse 24 is like, and we also push other people down when they want to be great in the kingdom of God. Right. I was just talking to this young, um, young girl about one of the things that God had laid on her heart. Mm -hmm. And she was really trying to, you know, understand like, hey, how should I approach this? How can I even start walking in obedience to this calling that I think God has, you know, placed on my heart? And I started encouraging her, you know, here's a few steps. Here's how you can really get going in this, in this, what you're feeling God called you to do. And her response shocked me. She was like, nobody has told me that I can do this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what do you mean? She goes, I've had multiple conversations with other people and they've all told me not to do this. And I, I was just so heartbroken for her because here this young girl is who's really passionate and really trying to understand the calling and the direction and the obedience that God has called her to. And our first response is to say, don't do it. Mm-hmm. I think we have to stop being and kind of pushing down the greatness that is living inside of us. Right, yeah. I feel like it's like that that um, tone that the disciples set is very like, well, but we've been doing all these things. Like we get first pick because like our servitude has looked like this. And so instead of encouraging them joining in the servitude of Christ, we say, but I've been, maybe I've been trying to do that exact ministry or that's why we exist. What do you mean? Like that, it seems like there should be competition instead of, inviting them and celebrating that servitude that they are displaying for God. Yeah. And community is not a competition. Yeah. You know, and, and not just our own, just not the one ministry that maybe you attend, but the body of Christ, the community of Christ, the family of God across the world. There's no competition. We're Mm -hmm. all on the same team. We're all playing for the kingdom of God. And so bringing that, having that vision that helps us when we understand that we can be great. Let's all serve along together. Let's do the things that God has called us uniquely to the best that we can. And when we win, when we all succeed in what God's calling us to do, let's celebrate. Um, kind of transitioning into the next verse, I think it's interesting. Jesus kind of um, really pulls out that he says, You know the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. And then Jesus is saying, Not so with you. He's setting up this precedent of saying, Are The way we control, the way we lead, the way we love has to be different than the world around us. And I think it's so hard for us to understand 
this because the way we um, know and see and have um, seen leadership, we've seen all of this stuff, we've seen really bad leadership. We've seen and experienced, you know, being um, led by people who who aren't great leaders, who are controlling, who are um, doing all these things the opposite way that God has called us to. But many of us, we haven't seen great leadership. We haven't seen this this greatness that Jesus is talking about, but Jesus is saying to us and the disciples, whoever wants to be great among you has to serve. That's what Jesus is saying. So you want to work your way to the top? Start at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And guess what? Stay at the bottom. It's this upside-down kingdom mindset that says, if we want to be great, we will put the people who... The world considers below us on our shoulders. Mm -hmm. And we will lift them up high. We will lift them up high and we will help them serve other people. And that's where I think Jesus is saying that. And what I love for this whole passage, this whole, really this whole message is Jesus's um, statement here at the end of this passage is saying that just as the son of man, he's talking about himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is saying to us, this is, I think this is such a profound statement that the son of God, the person who deserves to be served, the person who could have exercised all authority, says all authority had been given to him. Mm -hmm. What's he do? He doesn't sit on his throne and ask to be served. No, he gets down in the muddiness of life and he serves we see him teaching people healing people who are sick hanging out with people who would never go to church doing all these things that um, so many of us don't want to do that's what jesus has called us to and so there's so many stories of people who are doing this and i can't imagine like i i kind of imagine when we get to heaven that the people who we think in our minds were great in the faith aren't the ones that Jesus are like, hey, listen, this is the person who served, was never seen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I consider them great in the kingdom of God. And not like there's a hierarchy or anything else like that, but I think of this woman who um, went to our church back home in, in, uh, in Nebraska, and I can remember my mom just saying like, just continuing to tell me the stories of faith that this woman had and that she was just such a, a prayer servant. And that was her ministry. She was never on the stage. I never even saw her hold a microphone in her hand. Mm -hmm. And she would continue to pray. And I remember that um, one of the last things right before she passed away that she was was telling mom, my mom, that she was praying for was for Talia and I to have a kid. And it, she, my mom sent me a text and said, Hey, she prayed for, you know, my mom was like super excited about, you know, us having grandchildren for her. And, um, but she literally was saying she was praying for a child for, for Talia and I, and we were actually pregnant at the time Mm -hmm. and we hadn't told anybody. Mm -hmm. And, but she would get frustrated. This lady who, um, was praying, she would get frustrated with my mom because the prayer lists weren't long enough. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, are you kidding me? But she had this, she had this mindset of saying, this is what I'm called to. This is how I can serve people. And I can come to the feet of Jesus with prayers on the behalf of other people. She was Mm -hmm. so willing to serve, but she never wanted to be seen. Mm -hmm. 
And so many of us, we want the platform. We want to be great. We want to be up front of people, and but we don't want to serve our way there. Yeah. I think that's like one of the best examples because oftentimes you think of serving and you think literally walking around and physically yeah. serving, yeah. physically serving a ministry. And what does it look like for you? Maybe that is walking around and literally yes. mopping the floors or picking up trash or during doing that kind of servitude, but it could be something that you literally aren't even visible in that sense. Right. You know, it doesn't even feel good to walk around and be like, everyone sees that I'm picking up the exactly. trash. <laughs> it's servitude beyond that. And mm-hmm. obviously that can be found in multiple ways, but right. it's always about that heart of servitude and not that action. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it kind of goes back to like, we have that desire to be great, but we also have to understand that sometimes our greatness, the greatest things we do will often be unseen mm-hmm. and unnoticed and unappreciated mm-hmm. by the people around us. And it makes me think of the passage where Jesus is sitting there uh, watching the crowds as they enter you know, into the temples. And he kind of stops the show and he's like, look, look at that woman who just passed by. Mm-hmm. And, he's look, and his disciples, he just stops the show and he's like, he starts teaching his disciples about this woman because she'd put a p- couple pennies into into the offering plate, essentially. And he's, he basically stops his disciples and says, that's greatness in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. This woman who was unseen, undervalued, was willing to serve through generosity, serve through giving, mm-hmm. stopped the show, pointed her out, and she never knew. It's not like the disciples, we don't know if the disciples went up to her and be like, hey, great job. Or Jesus went and gave her a hug and be like, I love you. You're great in the kingdom of God. Like, we don't see that. Don't know if it happened for sure. Probably didn't. Right. But she would have never known that thousands of years later, we'd be talking into a microphone about her obedience, that her serving through giving, that we would never talk about. I can't imagine how many times that she went to the temple and put a couple of pennies in. It's all that she had. Mm -hmm. She felt so unseen so unnoticed, so undervalued, so underappreciated. But Jesus sees her and says, that is greatness Mm -hmm. in the kingdom of God. And I think that's the message that he wants all of us to hear is that so many times that service, the reason we don't want to be great through serving is because it's unseen, unnoticed, and underappreciated. But that's exactly how we are called and what we are called to do. And I just kind of want to end with this is that Jesus is our example. That we see Jesus in humility coming to earth, putting on flesh, and walking around serving people, serving their needs. Every time he came in contact with people, maybe they didn't have a physical need, but he met their spiritual need. Maybe they did have a physical need, and he met that physical need. Jesus was walking around serving, teaching, but he was setting the example for us what it looks like to serve what it looks like to take the lowest place in the room. Mm -hmm. What does it look like for us to serve? And we see that example of of Jesus. I think one of the most beautiful pictures is when Jesus uh, kind of, you know, we're transitioning towards his crucifixion. He stops everything, and as the disciples are walking in, he starts to wash their feet. And I love this picture because our service has to start from a place of intimacy and being served by Jesus himself. 
Remember Peter's response is like, no, Lord, I need to wash your feet. And I right. think so many times we don't allow Jesus to minister us to us so we can minister to other people. Mm-hmm. We can't, oh, I don't need that. Please, Lord, let me serve you. Let me do all those things. Mm-hmm. And then and Jesus is like, no, I need to serve you. I need to minister to you so that you can take this time of intimacy with me, of service to you. You can take this, and I'm setting the example of what you need to do and go out and serve other people. And that's exactly what we're called to do as well. And I was reading this quote. I can't even remember who said it, but he said that um, we can't throw rocks at anybody when we're busy washing people's feet. And I think that's exactly what this passage really is speaking about. The disciples, they were throwing, you know, proverbial rocks at the other two who they, you know, they were so busy comparing and being frustrated with these other two people. We can't throw rocks at other people if we're too busy serving and washing other people's feet. And that's the hope that we have, is that we would see people who are willing to put down the rocks, who are willing to stop comparing themselves who are willing to stop being frustrated when other ministries or other Christians win, quote-unquote, win Mm -hmm. at life, and we just be willing to do whatever, whenever Jesus calls us to, that we be willing to put the towel on our lap and start to wash people's nasty, smelly, dirty feet. It means that it might not be pretty. It might be really messy. But are we willing to be like Jesus and ultimately... If Jesus can be a servant, so can we. Thanks for listening to the Encounter YA podcast. Here's a clip of next week's episode on theology. Not so much anymore. I'm still an emotional, quite an emotional person, but I'm not as led by my emotions as I used to be. Sure. And theology isn't really led by emotion. (laughs) (laughs) So it was hard for me to see it as something that was valuable. And so as God kind of worked that in my life, um, separately and apart from theology, then theology became a lot more interesting sure. and more of a heart burden because I was no longer just pursuing to experience God mm-hmm. more. I was right. pursuing God. So yeah, that's good. <laughs>